This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. As you guys know, we have been diving in. We've been diving deep. Yeah. Real deep. All right. And... We have gone over uh, our high upside players in drafts. We've gone over, uh, we've gone over some late round guys. We've we've done a lot. So make sure values. to tune into values. We've done a lot of episodes lately where we're getting into draft season. If you haven't listened to the past few episodes, we go in on a lot of players that you know that you want to hear about. So make sure you do that. Make sure you tune in uh, to the previous episodes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever app you're using zach is here i'm faraz Sadiki. welcome um we have a very exciting episode for you guys we are going to be talking breakout players this is an exciting episode we all yeah. want to know who those breakout stars are going to be are we going to be able to get them at a good price um there's a lot to talk about um i do want to hit on real quick before we get started um, on the Alvin Kamara situation, you know, obviously, you know, he, so what, what, what was, here's what was on the docket literally for Alvin Kamara. It was a felony potential felony charge that was on the table that got dropped uh, because he pled guilty to a misdemeanor charge, blah, blah, blah. What does that mean? Right. For fantasy. What does it mean? You know, in the NFL? well, multiple you know people have said like adam Schefter and a lot of these other guys have said that there is still a chance that alvin kamara gets suspended uh because of the nfl's you know policies right that they have right so just because he pled guilty and just because there are there's a lesser charge on the table it doesn't mean that alvin kamara won't be suspended so it is still possible that we're looking at like a four to six game suspension for kamara who knows? We'll see. Um, but I don't think this changes much, right? I don't think this necessarily means that uh, he's more of a value than he than he already was. Like I think he was a solid value, but I don't think this changes a whole lot in terms of right. like what we were expecting. Yeah, I think we were all you know just kind of assuming that Alvin Kamara was going to miss time anyway this season. But I think what this does. Is I think it takes the full season off the table, you know, like of him, the potential of him missing an entire season. I think that's like off the table. If that ever was on the table, you know, like, like you said, a four or six game suspension, I think is definitely in the cards. It'll come down to, you know, just Roger Goodell to make those decisions. We know that he's kind of leaned towards suspensions more than not just letting than just letting them go. So I'm expecting some sort of punishment from the league where he's going to miss time, but 
it seems like he's going to have value. I think his ADP is already sitting where it should be, assuming that he's going to miss time. Um, and like like we said, Kendra Miller looks really good. I think you're also going to factor that into his price where if Kendra Miller does really well, like are they really going to want to hold on to Alvin Kamara? Are they, are they going to throw him right back in the lineup if Kendra Miller is killing it? Maybe on receiving downs, but we might not see that full role for Alvin Kamara. So obviously the outlook long-term, not so good, but I think for this season, it's all right. You know, we, we figured he's going to be missing time. This is probably, you know, like best case scenario from what could have come from this. You know, he could have missed a lot more time. We're not sure if he's going to miss time yet, but I think that that long suspension, we don't have to really worry about. Yeah, and I think, you know, we probably will see a suspension come down soon. And if when it does, we'll know that it's at the beginning of the season, right? Like yeah. now there will be less ambiguity over when that suspension takes place, right? We probably know that it won't be during the fantasy playoffs, right? So that's something. Yeah. The other thing is like you 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 brought it up, Kendra Miller, you know, what if he ends up killing it? Um, in those first like six games that Kamara suspended for, like what happens then? Kendrick yeah. is going to have a huge opportunity in camp and then early in the year potentially. Yeah, I, I like that. So Kendrick Miller definitely just a name to keep an eye on. Yeah, you know, he's a late round pick. He's a late round pick. Like you don't have to spend much to get him. You know, I don't think there's a world where like Jamal Williams. Oh my God, he's absolutely killing it early. Like it, we've never seen that in Jamal Williams' career before. So. That's not going to be this. That's not going to be the case. And we're not talking touchdowns here, right? We're talking playmaking yeah. ability and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, I think Miller is worth grabbing because when it's possible that in week seven, like we're just assuming that's a six game suspension, but whenever Kamara does come back, it's possible that Miller has a a pretty good, uh, pretty he has a pretty good role when Kamara comes back and could be still fantasy relevant even as a flex. Yeah. Very possible, even if it's just an early down role for him. Yeah, you know, he's a very good yeah. runner. So he yeah. is. Absolutely. Exactly. All right. Moving on. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, we saw the lines move a little bit to the to the Titans. Uh plus two hundred. Um was it plus two? It was plus three hundred, I think it was. Yeah. The lines moved to. So it was it was minus no, I'm sorry, not plus oh, no, it was minus, minus three hundred from yeah. plus five, I think. Which is significant. Um it seems yeah. like the Titans and the Patriots are probably like the top two destinations for him. Potentially, what seems like is on the table right now. We all want him to go to like the Bills and the, and the car and the and the, the, and the Chiefs. But you know, I think the Patriots would be a solid destination for fantasy. And if Hopkins were to land in Tennessee, um, I, I really think that you know, I, I think that what's his name, Traylon Burks, is going to be severely impacted there right yeah. hopkins is going to be the guy and you know chico conquo i don't think as as will be as as hurt as Traylon burks would be right you know, because they're going to be playing burks tight end be, on the field yeah different different position i just think burks is going to be you know i don't think he's there yet to the point where like he deserves targets you know over someone like deandre hopkins or anything like that so i think it's going to be mm -hmm. a clear one situation rather than a 1a 1b situation but uh, it's possible that Burks ends up being the number three target in this offense if Hopkins were to go there, right? Honestly, I would hate that. I would hate if Hopkins goes to the Titans. Yeah. Not only, like, we've seen, this has nothing to do with, like, st stats or data or anything, but we've seen what happens when veteran receivers go to Tennessee. They just die. Like, it's just horrific. Randy Moss did it. Uh, Julio Jones did it most recently. And now DeAndre Hopkins, if he goes there, that's going to make me really sad because also I kind of have hope for Traylon Burks as just a volume guy. You know, and just Traylon Burks and Chigakonkwo, those two, if they're the big two, they're going to come through, I think, at their ADPs. But if 
DeAndre Hopkins go that goes there, it's just gonna be a meltdown. Like there's gonna be so much fallout. I don't want to deal with that. You know, I just want to have it stay as it is. If he would go to New England, I think Juju Smith Schuster might actually get a boost because now he doesn't have to be the wide receiver one, which he's currently slated to be right now. And DeAndre Hopkins is going to be fine because he's going to get targets anyway. So I'm pulling for New England or the Chiefs or the Bills. Anywhere but Tennessee, really, for me. Yeah, I hear that. Of course, that's where the odds are skewing. But Now, we're talking breakouts in this episode, okay? Who are the obvious breakout candidates this year? Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, right? Then you can maybe throw in Drake London and Christian Watson in there, right, as Mm -hmm. well. Um, you know, those two guys, those two specific yeah. guys, I think one has a potential pass environment and a QB problem, right? Drake London. And then the other has a p- potential quarterback problem, right? And these guys have all these guys, all four of these guys have had amazing rookie years, right? Chris Olave and Gary Wilson pretty much already broke out their rookie year, right? It, yep. But it's just kind of scratching the surface with what these two guys are capable of, right? Like, they're both top 10 dynasty wide receivers. They were amazing prospects. They got drafted very early. And then they went on to have amazing rookie years, right? Total production, you know, efficiency, right? In terms of like, you know, target share, fantasy points, yards per route run, all the predictive stats that we look at to determine what is in store for the future, right? They're the easy ones to bet on, right? And if you're fading them, I don't know what to tell you, right? Even at yeah. their prices. Like, like year this- two can be extremely explosive for both of these guys. And I think predicting a breakout for these two are kind of obvious. Yeah, it would be obsolete to say that. Like, I, I put them on their list and we had that discussion. I was like, are we really going to put, like, Garrett Wilson and all these guys on the list? It's like, they're right. pretty obvious breakouts. You talk about, you know, are you going to fade them? Like, how could you fade them? The trajectory they're on already, their rookie seasons were already fantastic. And how many times do we see players like that fall off the face of the earth they don't just fall off the face of the earth they're no. gonna be just fine and i think i think chris olave's situation has gotten better even though Derek carr is Derek carr so he has that going for him garrett wilson's situation got way better now he has a real quarterback on him not just a real quarterback but a former mvp quarterback multi-mvp quarterback don't like there's no reason to fade them like garrett wilson i feel like chris olave if he would break out it would feel more like a breakout because he wasn't as highly he didn't have as much production at as Garrett Wilson necessarily in the stat sheet, but both of them either way, you know, they can enter new stratospheres from where they were last season. Yeah. And I think Drake London would easily be in this camp if he was in a better offensive environment last year and maybe he will this year, right? That's the hope because there is zero question about the talent, right? He was 11th in yards per route run among all wide receivers last year. Uh, at least, you know, guys who had at least 100 targets. He was the ninth best graded wide receiver last year by PFF. Uh, among those guys and when you consider the way that he separates at his size his ceiling is massive right Mm -hmm. and then with christian watson his year one fantasy points the target share the air yards the yards per route run but you combine that with his like athletic freak ability his second round draft capital like it just you know just screams that he's a very good wide receiver and he has massive upside um it's it is possible too that his quarterback downgrade is overblown and he yeah. should be a major consideration to be a breakout wide receiver in year two as well. So, like, I feel like these are, like, the obvious ones, uh, especially Olave and Garrett Wilson. Um, I think Drake London's right there in that camp as well. Obviously, he got the draft capital, too. And then Christian Watson, you know, right behind these guys. Yep. Right. Um 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's start with you, Zach. Who, who do you have as a potential breakout this year? Let's hear it. Yeah, I have another receiver. And this guy's been in the league a little bit longer. But, you know, he has that highish draft capital that we're looking for. And it's Jerry Judy, wide receiver 21 right now, going off the board. Fourth round, not much went right for the Broncos last year. I think we can concede that. But Jerry Judy, he actually had a really good finish to the 2022 season. I don't think a lot of people realize it, and not a lot of people are talking about it. I mean, among wide receivers with at least four starts between week seven and 18, Judy was a PPR wide receiver nine in points per game. That was 16.2 points per game. And that's including a game in week 10 where he just exited the game in the first quarter, zero points scored with an ankle injury. Take that game out. And his points per game jumps up to 18.2. And that would have made him the wide receiver seven in points per game. So this is a player. He's already demonstrated wide receiver one talent. You know, Jerry Judy, we knew he had that. But he hasn't been able to put it together in his career because of A, games missed because of injury. He's essentially missed 11 games over the past two years, including those games that he left early. And B, poor QB play. And that we don't really have to talk much about that. Drew Locke, Teddy Bridge, QB, and Russell Wilson, they're not exactly the greatest passers to ever sling the pigskin. So any improvement in Russell Wilson's play might qualify as the best QB play that Jerry Judy has had to date. And I think that Russell Wilson, we talked about this in the last episode, is due for an improvement in play because of that scheme change with Sean Payton coming in. I think he can fix those problems. So as long as Judy stays healthy, I think he could finally break into that wide receiver one territory and the new Sean Payton system. And Corlin Sutton doesn't really scare me at this point. He hasn't been the same since he came back from that injury that sidelined him for all of 2021, I think it was. And Tim Patrick, he just hasn't been a target earner in his career. So I expect the Broncos offense to be much better in 2023. And a Judy breakout can absolutely happen if that's the case. I love it. I love it. I, I am on board. Like, if you ask me, do I think Jerry Judy is going to break out this year? I, I think there's a pretty good chance that happens. Right, you mentioned the Broncos' offense was a shit show last year, um, and it definitely affected Judy. Like he was inconsistent, and he was like you mentioned, he was banged up at points throughout the year. Uh, but he had his games, right? Like you mentioned, especially towards the end of the year. If you just count his full games played last year, he averaged 17 PPR points a game. Right, that would have been a wide receiver, one top 12 fantasy wide receiver. And yep. as a whole on the year, like I'm looking at fantasy life data right now, Jerry Judy had the 10th highest yards per round route run rate among all wide receivers with 100 or more targets. He's right behind Amon Ra, Stefan Diggs, and CeeDee Lamb. All right, and now you bring in Sean Payton, a more functional offense. I think Judy will be featured a little bit more than he was last year. Um, he ran most of his slots from the from the he ran he ran most of his routes from the slot. He he still moves around. 
um, a little bit. And when he does move around to the outside, it'll probably be as a flanker. Um, we won't really have to worry about wide receiver corner matchups with him because of that. And I think, I think Judy's going to take a step forward, man. Wide receiver yeah. 20 off the board on underdog. Wide receiver 25 on sleeper, by the way. Right? That's a value right there. So 12-team home leagues, fifth round. I think you got to take advantage of that, man. I'm with you. Absolutely. I'm with you on him. The talent is right there. Like, like I said, it's just been like extraneous circumstances that are keeping him from putting it together. Injuries and back QB play will do that. We've seen that happen to plenty of receivers. So I, he, if he puts it together, like we got a little sample size of him with Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson's playing better football than he played last season. And he had fantastic numbers. And it also benefited Russell Wilson. I love it, man. All right, let's see, let's see the next one from you. All right, so it's another receiver, believe it or not. You'll find that a lot of these are actually receivers. A lot of my picks are receivers. But my next guy is the guy that we mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast. It's Traylon Burks. You know, he's wide receiver 35, coming off the board in the sixth round. Another case of where he just couldn't stay healthy last year. You know, he missed a total of six games across two separate occasions. Also dealing with a QB carousel from hell. That featured Ryan Tannehill for just eight games. He was playing pretty badly when he was on the field. And a combination of Malik Willis and Josh Dobbs. Not exactly a recipe for success. But the hope is that at the very least, he can enjoy some stability at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill coming back from injury in 2023. It's not like Burks was abysmal or anything when he was on the field and utilized either. I mean, he had a 1.75 yards per route run. That was fifth among rookie wide receivers. And that was ahead of Jahan Dotson and George, Pick George Pickens, two guys that people really like to cling to is like, you know, these are the guys that can break out. Traylon Burks was ahead of them. And that's great news for Burks. On that note of utilization, there should be theoretically plenty of targets coming his way in 2023 because Chiga Conquo is the only one that's really going to be providing that quality competition for targets. And Burks was one of the best creators after the catch last year in his last year at Arkansas in 2021. Among wide receivers with 80 targets in 2021 in college, of course, is what I'm talking about. Burks was second in yak per reception. So that talent doesn't just go away after one year where he's injured for most of the season. And even on a Tennessee offense, the figures to lean heavily on the ground game. I think Burks could be in line for 100, 120 plus targets if he stays healthy, just via the absence of true weapons around him. So that kind of volume can help him to break out. Even if it's just in a low-end wide receiver two conversation, he was way off the fancy radar because of injuries last year. If he stays healthy, I think we're looking at a Traylon Burks breakout. I like it, man. I like it. You know, I think he's being, you know, he's being drafted, you know, close to that wide receiver three flex um, edge there, right? And I think there is a very good chance that he's a wide receiver three. Um, you know, 1.75 yards per route run. Uh, in his rookie year, which is not bad, right? It's not like that elite potential two-yard per route run that we'd like to see. But, you know, he was banged up uh, in year one. He didn't have the best quarterback play for sure. No. So um, there's, there is, uh, at his price, especially if Hopkins doesn't sign, I think I think you, you there's not a lot of better upside options where he's going right now. Um, right. So I'm, I'm, that, I'm with you on that one. That Hopkins cloud is looming large. It now, is. It really know, is. I wrote this up before those odds shifted, and like all this sounds great and everything, but it could all come <laughs> crashing down in a second. So, like, like I said, crossing my fingers, hoping he doesn't go to Tennessee. But yeah, Traylon Burks, one point seven five yards per route run. That's not a death sentence, you know. Obviously, no, that's good. Like you said, that's good. That's good. Solid. Like, so let's let's not be upset about that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Not at all, man. I think I think that's right. that's legit, honestly. Um, and you know what the good thing is too is let's say Ryan Tannehill like gets hurt again or something like that. Or or it doesn't play well. I mean, yep. I think 
Will Levis coming in after him like isn't the worst thing in the world. No. Honestly, because I think he'll just chuck it up to him. All the yeah, time. I I think that's the case too. I, Will Levis obviously has a strong arm, so like yeah. I'm will I'm gonna give Will Levis you know benefit of the doubt, even though he slid to the second round. Yeah, apparently Malik Willis is outplaying him, which is a surprise to me. But uh, really, because I, I heard that yeah. Willis might not even make the roster. It, who knows? Yeah, what's going yeah, yeah. On yeah. Tennessee's it, it, not not, like, not making the roster <laughs> despite him. Playing outplaying yeah. Willis and OT. Someone will take a shot on that, Willis. Well, listen, look where Levis was taken compared to where Willis was taken. You know, I guess that's that's part of the reason why. Yeah. But anyway, what about J.K. Dobbins? Does yeah, he have a I, chance I like of breaking out? I think he does, man. I think he's going to be the breakout running back of 2023. I love the fact that he's a year removed from a bad injury. I love his price at the four or five turn. I'm happy with him as my RB2, but I do think he has RB1 upside, man. I think he is a dark horse candidate to lead the league in rushing. I think he has a talent. He has a great offensive line. He's averaging 5.9 yards per carry so far over his career. Okay. Um, I think J.K. Dobbins is like a discount Jonathan Taylor, a discount Nick Chubb, a discount Derrick Henry, right? These rushers who get a ton of volume on the ground, they're efficient while doing it. And I think a lot of people are going to be asking, like, what about Gus Edwards? Do you think, do, do you guys think Gus and JK are on the same level? Like, let me ask you guys, like, do you think Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins are on the same level? Because I don't, right? No. This timeshare might have left the station with Greg Roman, and it should, right? You have Todd Munkin coming in. And by the way, Nick Chubb got his highest receiving totals with Munkin as OC in Cleveland. Um, he uses running backs a ton in the receiving game at Georgia. And Dobbins had 71 catches through his three seasons at, at Ohio State. Uh, you know, we don't love rushing. You know, we don't love, like, running backs to get a whole lot of volume in the receiving game with rushing quarterbacks. But if it's dialed into the scheme a little bit, like, we could see Dobbins pick up 40 receptions this year. I could see it. right? And I think people yeah. are forgetting the type of talent that Dobbins is. He was really efficient his rookie year. Yards up to contact, force missed tackle rate, big plays. We even saw the big play. We saw the big play ability on one leg last year, right? And now that yeah. he's over the bad injury and he's trying to get paid, I don't really want to leave any of my drafts without him. Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. When you talk about him being on one leg last year, you could see when he was running, like he would break away or initially and everybody would just catch up to him. He was missing that second gear because of that injury. But I think, a whole offseason recover that's going to give him that breakaway speed again. And he was still, like I said, he was still breaking away. He just wasn't finishing the run in the end zone. So I think that can come back. He can do really well. And you mentioned his efficiency in his rookie year. I mean, he went on an absolute tear at the end of his rookie year. He had six straight games with at least one touchdown, seven touchdowns total over that span. He, he was really good. And you mentioned his yards per carry. You know, you talk about like a Nick Chubb or Jonathan Taylor light, that yards per carry number, he's very, very good. Like if you look at him as a pure runner, He's very good. And in an offense that's going to be more balanced, where they're not just mailing it in, that they're going to be running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, like they've been with Greg Roman. Now they have Todd Munkin in there who's going to balance it out at least a little bit. Like That's going to open up more lanes for him even then. So I'm a big fan of J.K. Dobbins, too. I had him on my list, but I knew that he was your guy. He's like one of your guys <laughs> for the season. I was like, I'm going to let Brown take that. this one. But you I got it. That. Yeah. You know, and, and I think there are, there are questions around like, okay, well, like why J.K. Dobbins – 
in a year where there's a new offensive coordinator who is more pass heavy, right? And the reason for that is I got two reasons, right? Number one, you mentioned it, right? This is going to be a more balanced offense, right? They're not going to – teams know that the Ravens wanted to run the ball with Greg Roman at the helm of that offense. It's not going to be the case anymore. They're going to be a lot more balanced, right? It's not like they're going to go like – ridiculously pass heavy with Lamar they're not going to do that they're going to be more balanced right which is what you want and on a balanced offense yes a running back could still kill it in the run game and still get a lot of volume 250 275 attempts is very much in the cards even in a balanced offense right and I think that is in the cards for Jacob Davis the other reason is simply the fact that the old OC didn't want to give J.K. Dobbins the entire workload, right? Especially during his rookie season. So now you have a new OC, um, a, a new philosophy, um, a new way of looking at things coming in. And we could potentially see J.K. Dobbins, you know, get 22, 22 carries a game. That's what I want. That's what I want to see. And I think if that happens, Dobbins is Dobbins has a real shot of leading the league in rushing this year, or at least coming close to it. Yeah. Absolutely. And you talk about, I agree with you. You said about, you know, how big is the gap between Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins? It's huge. I, I think you're right. People do discount, like, just how far separated these guys are in talent. Like, Gus Edwards, we were happy putting him into our lineup when somebody else was injured. The guy ahead of him was injured, you know. Then that was J.K. Dobbins in one sense. For Both of them got injured that one year. But it, he was just somebody that you plug in your lineup. It was like, okay, he'll be fine. All right, cool. But J.K. Dobbins... I think he's going to be the clear RB1 here, especially like on early downs. I don't think there's going to be any type of competition there where Gus Edwards rotating in. I don't see that. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. All right. Who's your next guy? All right. So it's another, is it another receiver? Yes, it is. So it's another <laughs> receiver. Came from the same class as Traylon Burks. And like Burks, he struggled with injuries a little bit in his rookie year. But it's Jahan Dotson. He's wide receiver 38, coming off the board right now in the six, seven turn. Like I said, he dealt with injuries a little bit in his rookie year, but he was much more productive in his time on the field than Burks was. Now, granted, Dotson's situation was much better than Burks was, but it was still less than ideal because they had a shell with Carson Wentz throwing him the ball to start the season, and then Taylor Heineke leading the way, the rest of the way pretty much, except for that last week where Sam Howell stepped in. They were the primary starters. Regardless, despite all that, Dotson was able to put up seven touchdowns and 12 starts, which was actually tied for fifth most in the league among all receivers. Obviously, a couple other receivers had seven touchdowns. A few had eight ahead of him, a couple had nine. But still, seven touchdowns in your rookie year, that's nothing to sneeze at. He also put up 14.9 yards per reception, which was 11th best in the NFL among all receivers. So that explosiveness helped him to put up two top 12 finishes in each in two top 12 finishes in the last four weeks of the year, something that a lot of, not a lot of people realize he did. He has extremely solid hands. He's, I think, as reliable as a wide receiver, too, as you're going to find in the NFL at this point. And he's just going into his second year. And it will help this season, just as it did last season, to have Terry McLaurin drawing the top defender away from his side. That's just going to be how it works. It's going to be hard to cover these two guys. The defense got to pick and choose who they cover. The biggest X factor that's ultimately going to determine whether Dotson is a breakout or not is the level of play Sam Howell gives. We talked a lot about Howell on this pod, how he's a gunslinger. You know, there were main... He's, he looks like he's going to be set up. The stars are aligning that he's going to have a good season. But there's still that chance that Howell's performance in Week 18 last year was a fluke. So there's no guarantee that Howell can be that guy. But I think there's a better chance than not that Howell can be a better QB and provide better QB play well above what Washington uh, suffered through last season. 
So if Howell can play well within Eric Bannemi's system, I think seven touchdowns might come standard for Jahan Dotson every season for years to come. So I think the breakout could happen this year. Seven touchdowns, like I said, could that be his floor? Might be taking it a little bit far, but I don't think it's out of his you know range of outcomes. You know who still hasn't break breaking out yet, like fully McLaren. breaking out is breaking out a, a word. Uh, no, you know who still broken. hasn't broken out? Terry McLaurin. Yeah, yeah. McLaurin still, you know, he had some great seasons, right? Obviously, right. He had like to start his career, like basically he averaged a thousand yards per season since he came into the league. And in that one game with Sam Howell last year, 33% target share, 74 yards receiving, one touchdown. There is a chance that Terry McLaurin gets 150 targets this year. And if I'm going to choose a breakout on, on, on Washington, it's going to be Terry McLaurin, man. This All dude right. is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, he doesn't get the respect he deserves for how good he is. And I think there is a legit chance that he jumps up from – the you know 120 targets that he's basically been averaging over the last couple seasons, I think he's going to hit 140, 145 targets this year potentially. Now Sam Howell is that type of quarterback to throw it downfield. Um, there is a chance that he hyper targets his alpha wide receiver in Terry McLaurin, um, and I'm not saying that Jahan Dotson can't get his because I think Terry McLaurin is so good that Jahan Dotson is going to get his regardless. And I think Jahan Dotson yep. is also one of the best up-and-coming young wide receivers as well. Last Dude, like, we've had some really good young wide receivers come into the league over the last couple of years. Jahan Dotson is yeah. definitely one of them. First-round draft capital. So there is definitely reason to believe in Jahan Dotson, and you should. So I agree with you. But yeah. I do think that there is room for Terry McLaurin to take the next step. It's going to happen, man. Um, you know, we yeah. don't want him to fall into that DJ Moore, Allen Robinson complex where, you know, they're they're at the you know, they just never get that quarterback and their their potential is never fulfilled. Right. And I hope that doesn't happen with McLaurin yeah. because he's so damn good. Um, but I do think there's going to be a chance where then that he actually ends up breaking out this year. Eric Bianami coming in, you know, gunslinger at quarterback. I'm hoping that it happens, dude. I really am. Yeah. Like, because that would be amazing. We need him to to hit the stratosphere of all these other elite wide receivers that we know are already elite because they put up the numbers. I'm hoping that he can get there too. Yeah. No pressure on Sam Howell, though. There's just the entire fantasy <laughs> prospects of the Washington offense riding on his shoulders. He just has to produce. I think he can do it uh, with the weapons that he has. We saw him do it against Dallas. Dallas had a good defense last season. Like I said, I'm giving him the benefit of that. I think there's a better chance that Howell comes out and plays well than there is of him just coming out and just like flaming out in horrific fashion. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to see that. But that's a good point. You know, I was talking about Jahan Dotson. He's still a breakout. Like, I'm not saying I'm changing my mind here, but Terry McLaurin, you're right. He hasn't really broken out completely. And that's very funny to think about because he's been a good yeah. receiver. He's been very dependable. And it's funny because if, say, Washington, say Howell doesn't pan out and they stay in this quarterback limbo for a few more years, like Jahan Dotson would turn into Terry McLaurin. <laughs> I, I think it would be the same thing just a couple of years later. You know what I mean? Like they're both these super dependable receivers don't have the quarterback. I hope that how it pans out, but yeah, I hear that, that that's the soapbox on them. You know, we just need Howell to play well. All right. So my next guy we're switching gears here, I'm going to running back first running back breakout Isaiah Pacheco. At RB25, at 7-8 turn, he is one of my favorite running backs. And it's not like he's going to be taking the world by storm. I'm not saying he's going to be an RB1, 
like a high end RB one or anything like that, but he has the potential to well outperform his ADP. It was a tale of two seasons for Pacheco in 2022. Anybody can see that really, but the skills tipped in his favor, like halfway through the year. And then they just stayed there through not only the regular season, but also the playoffs. There's no sugarcoating it. That his first eight weeks of the season were actually like a fantasy abomination. 5.5 rush attempts per game caught just two of three targets in that span. That's, easily unstartable territory you weren't starting as a pacheco then but things completely turned around though in his last 12 games played including the playoffs where he averaged 13 carries this is still it's, it's pretty good up from five and a half that's more than double and just under 70 yards a game he was also second in the nfl in yards per attempt from week 10 on finishing as a fancy rb2 five of those nine weeks so the problem that pacheco faces is that his produ- production came exclusively in the ground game He didn't catch hardly any passes last year. And Jarek McKinnon pretty much has that receiving role on lock in the Chiefs' backfield. We saw him really thrive there. But on a great offense, there's going to be a lot of scoring to be done, lots of touchdowns. And it's ultimately, I think, going to be okay for Pacheco to be a touchdown-dependent guy in an early down and goal line role. If he can average that 70 yards a game that he did the end of last season and crack 10 touchdowns, you know, which I don't really think is that far out of reach for 2023. We're looking at a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns, maybe, you know, for Isaiah Pacheco, which safe to say would put him squarely in the RB2 conversation, maybe even the high end RB2 conversation. And that would qualify as a breakout after an RB37 finish in 2022. So I, I love that he passes the eye test for flying colors, you know, and he's a good story. Seventh round pick. He really just came in and just did his thing, especially down the stretch in the, in the playoffs, in the Super Bowl. He was the leading fantasy scorer in that Super Bowl out of running back. So he has the talent to do it. The situation is interesting because it's a high scoring offense, but it's past first 100% with Patrick Mahomes. But I think he's due for a breakout if he could just hold on to that early down roll. I'm not really worried about Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yeah, I hear you, man. And I don't know. I, I, I can't get on board with this one. I don't know why. I just can't. Yeah. I, I said Pacheco is uh, to me like. He's not a uh, above, a, a way above average talent or anything like that. I think he could, you know, I, I don't think I don't know if there's a, a running back on this roster is going to take away that early down role. Um, but like you mentioned, pass first offense. Uh, he doesn't catch balls. He when he does, he's not efficient. He doesn't get targeted when he does run routes. Um, you know, not great, right? Um, you know, in order to be at least like a, you know, an RB two, like at least like a target on the routes that you do run. Like he, he was targeted less than 10% of his routes last year, which isn't great. Um, he's not explosive. Um, he did improve in the after contact, right? Like that's what he's about. Like if you watch him run, like he's, yeah. he runs angry and he's going to get those, you know, after the, after contact type of runs and then do well there. Uh, he didn't make a, he didn't make a whole lot of guys miss in terms of missed tackles forced. So, you know, He's going to be a product of a good offense, right? And, like, the question is, how often do they get near the goal line? Is he going to get all that goal line work? Is CEH going to mix in a little bit? I don't know. That's that. Those are the questions that I have. Now, Yeah. Um. the other thing is, like, if – I don't even know if he's going to be involved in the receiving game if, like, Jarek McKinnon were to get hurt. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would, would probably get that role over Pacheco. Um. So, I think wherever you're drafting him, I don't think his role is going to increase a whole lot. Now – I hope that his role increases from what it was last year because the touches that he got last year, I don't think was enough. Um, and there is a chance that 
you know, they do in- increase his touches just by a little bit in terms of the early early down game. Um, you know, it was cool that he was with the Chiefs uh, at the ESPYs, you know, to accept that award. So it seems like he's a big part of that team, which is cool. So, like, that's good to see. So uh, that supports, you You know, what you're saying here because he was, like, with the, with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes accepting that award. Um, right. So that you, you, you want to see that if, if you're a Pacheco stan. Um, and I'm not saying you are. I, I just – I just I'm just yeah. saying that I – I, I hear you, man. I, I just, you know, this early down running back on a very, very good offense, maybe the best offense in the league, usually is a recipe for success. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. So that, um, that this is yeah. the thing I was thinking about as you're talking about that. I, I think I view Isaiah Pacheco almost in the same light as I do Rashad Penny, almost. You know, because obviously different offensive lines, not as good a run blocking offensive line in Kansas City as they have in Philly. But that role, where they're going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns, it's the early down role. You're not really going to be mixing in and receiving downs because just like the Eagles have DeAndre Swift, the Chiefs have Jerick McKinnon. I think both of them have that type of scoring potential to you know, break into that RB2 territory, assuming they get the work. I think for Pacheco, it's assuming he gets the work. For Rashad Penny, it's assuming he stays healthy. But I think they're both there. So I think you, you put it that way, yes, the ceiling is there. They can definitely break out. The difference that I'm looking at now is Isaiah Pacheco versus Rashad Penny, Penny's price, which is a whole set of running backs, you know, in between them. So I still think Isaiah Pacheco could break out 100%. Your objections are duly noted. But I think that in an early down role, you know, I I don't think his volume was that bad between weeks 10 and 16. You know, he was averaging right around 16 attempts a game. I'm I'm cool with that. You know, I think that can work. I don't think that's as bad as it, it can be. If he's down at that 13, attempts a game you know he had two games at the end of the season where he went for nine and eight attempts not very encouraging but if you go by that stretch where he was actually you know really playing lights out for the attempts that he was getting in the ground game i, I think that it can happen he can break out okay i love it man um but i will uh, listen man rashad penny's like a very talented running back all right like dude yeah. like when he gets volume he goes off right we talked about it in the last episode um yeah. so i do think that the talent level is a little bit different between those two guys when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so which tight end do you think I'm going with as my breakout tight end for this year? All right, so you didn't you didn't send me the list, so I'm gonna guess I'm gonna say Greg Dulcich. Close, close. close. He would okay. be my number three if I had to guess. Like I do think Greg Dulcich is in line for a breakout year. If I had to pick three tight ends, he would be number three. All right, on that list. Let's see. I mean, who who else would there be? I mean, we talked about Kyle Pitts having upside. But sure, I, I'm I'm dying to know. I'm not sure. Pat Fryermuth, and let's go. I want, I want to talk about this, right? And yes, why I think Pat Fryermuth is about to break out. Sixty receptions each of the first two years in the NFL for a tight end. That's absolutely awesome, right? Eighth all time among tight ends in receptions over their first two seasons in the league. All right, he's going into that year three that we love. He improved from year one to year two. I'm looking at Dwayne McFarlane's article over at Fantasy Life, uh, you know, talking about his tight ends and his tight end rankings. 
He improved in target share, air yard share, PFF receiving grade, sixth highest rating, by the way, last year among tight ends, uh, yards per route run. He was only behind George Kittle in big plays per target. Okay, so if Kenny Pickett improves, we could see him being the number two target on this offense again behind Deontay Johnson, right? He definitely was there yep. last year, 6.1 targets per game compared to less than five targets per game for George Pickens. I think we can see another jump for Frymuth this year, and I love his price of the ninth, 10th round where he's going right now. Okay, so if I had to pick three tight ends, it would be number one, Pat Frymuth. If I had to pick three tight ends to break out this year, it would be number one, Pat Frymuth, number two, Chico Conquo, and number three, Greg, Greg Dulcich. Right. Did, How when, you Pat Frymuth? Right, so Pat Frymuth, definitely 100% on board with that one. You know, not only does he pass you know, the statistical test, but you look at the eye test, too. He's just huge target for Kenny Pickett to throw to. And I... Don't think that he's like depending, obviously, with Kenny Pickett at quarterback. He's not depending on any quarterback to produce. You know, he's producing regardless. I don't think you have to worry about George Pickens. George Pickens, he's a good talent. You know, obviously, he can make those jump ball contested catches. That's all good and great. But Deontay Johnson's there, like you said, and he's going to be getting a ton of targets again this season. And Pat Frymuth got those targets despite Deontay Johnson doing that. And George Pickens has been kind of bodied out of the target share because of those two guys doing their thing. So I think Pat Fryer, 100%, you're calling him being the number two target in the Steelers offense is correct. And he had a bunch of top 10 uh, tight end finishes on a weekly basis last year. And you have to remember, like the tight end landscape is pretty much empty outside of the top four or five guys. You have Kelsey, you have Hawkinson, you have Mark Andrews, you have Kittle. And I think I think I would lump Dallas Goddard in there because he's very good when he's, you know, on the field. He missed a little time last year. But Pat Frymouth can jump into that conversation 100%. So I'm with you. That that can definitely happen. My only concern is Kenny Pickett. You know, if anything was going to derail it, it would be Kenny Pickett having a subpar season. He was the first quarterback drafted in the 2020, uh, this is 2021 class. But um, I, I'm not a whole, you know, big fan of him. You know, in terms of what he can do, I'm not sure his ceiling is going to completely unlock what Frymuth has to offer. But in terms of upside, but Frymuth is going to be able to produce 100% regardless. So yeah, I, I like that call. Frymuth was only behind Travis Kelsey in top 10 finishes last year. Pat Frymuth, yeah, he, he had a ton. All right. Like so obviously under the radar, but 100% under the radar. Okay, so Pat Frymuth is one of the most stable tenants you could draft at a great price. And he has a chance of taking the next step and fully breaking out this year, especially if Kenny right. Pickett, can, especially if Kenny Pickett can take a step forward. Yeah. Right. Now, there are, uh, you know, like I mentioned, those other tight ends. So I think Chico Conquo, right? Greg Dulcich, Chico Conquo, you know, yard, number one in yards per route run last year. You know, he was up there yard in yards per um, in uh, targets per route run. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. Obviously, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins uh, potentially going to Tennessee. That wouldn't be great, but I don't think he's going to be affected as much as Traylon Burks would be, right? Greg Dulcich yeah. getting talked up by Sean Payton as one of those Joker players like Alvin Kamara and Reggie Bush and all those type of guys. Um, that's what you want to hear because those are the guys that he might end up revolving the game around a little bit, right? So yeah. I, I love him as well. All right, so who's your last breakout for this episode? Yeah, I got one more breakout, but before I just jump in, I do want to say, would Greg Dulcich qualify as a second joker in Denver? <laughs> I think I you like would. It. You know what I'm talking I about? Like that it. would be awesome. I but like anyway, it. 
It's a funny a little, thing little, a little basketball reference there. I yeah, like a little basketball reference. You know, we're not complete football fans here. We like we like other sports. We're not crazy people. But anyway, my last breakout. We're going back to the Sam Howell. Well, you know, obviously it depends on Sam Howell. We're going back to the Washington Commanders, and it's Antonio Gibson. He's the RB thirty-one right now, coming off the board in the ninth round. Seems a like it the, seems like it seems like I convinced you, Antonio Gibson. If he's one of your breakout yeah, you players, yeah, you did. But so, this has a lot to do. I mean, you, you're you're convincing. Definitely a little bit has me on Antonio Gibson. But the biggest thing for me, a lot of the excitement that I have for Gibson in 2023 stems from the Commanders bringing in Eric Bieniemy, and he ran an offense that featured a really similar backfield duo in Kansas City. In this case, it's Gibson that's going to play the Jarek McKinnon to Brian Robinson's Isaiah Pacheco. You know, but. Gibson finished last year as PFF's third highest graded receiving back among players with 35 or more targets. And he was behind just Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler. So he's a very good receiving back down the stretch in 2022 was Pacheco in the chiefs offense with the who had the solid fantasy floor, you know, in the early down roll, but it was McKinnon who had the weak winning upside. And that's what Gibson is in line for, I think in this offense and using fantasy life's data profiles, we also see that Gibson was one of the most targeted running backs on a per route basis in 2022. He's a target on 24% of his runs and that was tied uh, of his routes run. And that was tied for, with Alvin Kamara for the seventh most among all running backs. So we see he has the chops in the receiving game. 100%. Sam Howell is young. I think that the is going to encourage Howell to just lean on the checkdowns and the outlets to help him stay in a rhythm. He's a young quarterback. He has one NFL start under his belt. And I think that's going to be part of getting, you know, Sam Howell acclimated see the NFL climate long-term. And those are the routes that Gibson's going to be specializing in. You know, he's going to be running those routes out of the backfield. He even ran from the slot about 20% of the time last year. So Gibson can be a weak winner in a big way if he can earn the targets. And he's shown us that he's perfectly capable of doing that. Again, I, I think this one's a little less dependent on Sam Howell, you know, coming through because a quarter, any quarterback can dump it off to the running back, you know, and they can get those targets. But um, I, I think he's perfectly capable of getting those targets that he needs to break out and really just, you know, jump back into the scene after a down year last year. You know, Eric Bieniemy, for those who don't know, is the disciple of Andy Reid and his offensive philosophy. And, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, why do you care about, like, Chiefs running backs? And, you know, obviously in this case, Washington running backs. And it's because of the fact that historically those running backs have killed it, okay? And they're yeah. extremely involved in the pass game. It just hasn't happened over the last four seasons, right? So... If you go back to before 2019, you know, we're talking to Andy Reid here. Ian Hardis, also from Fantasy Life, mentioned, you know, he, he broke down a list of all these players on Twitter. Kareem Hunt in 2018, RB, uh, you know, he was the RB8 in PPR points per game. Kareem Hunt before that, 2017, five, fifth, the fifth highest. Spencer Ware, solid RB2. Jamal Charles, he was at two, seven, one. And this is in terms of rank for PPR points per game. Three seasons yeah. before that with LaShawn McCoy. Eighth, third, third. Brian Westbrook, five, two seasons as being the overall RB1 in PPR points per game. One season as a top five, uh, another top five finish. Okay. And before that, he had a couple more top seven finishes. Okay. So this is the reason why we absolutely love Andy Reid running backs. And this is going away, going all the way back to 2000, 2004 with Brian Westbrook. All right. Yeah. Even Deuce Staley, who, by the way, is the uh, running backs coach for the Panthers right now, he used to run, he used to play for Andy Reid. And going back all the way to 1999, he was a solid RB2 because of the fact that he was just not great on the ground, but he was doing his thing in the receiving game, too.
right? So yep. there are a lot of reasons to like Antonio Gibson this year. You mentioned him being targeted at a very high rate per route run, but he's also one of the most efficient running backs in the receiver game. So I'm with you. Andy Reid has been yep. hyping him up a little bit, so I'm loving it. Eric Bieniemy is the disciple of Andy Reid, so it's, it's like by proxy, you know. Yeah, I think Eric exactly. Bieniemy he can be a new age Andy Reid, you know, in terms of his offensive play calling abilities. I, I think he could do it. We'll see. We'll see. The yeah. jury's still out. The, uh, I'm really curious to see what the reason is that he hasn't been hired over the last few seasons. So that's something to it, worry about a little bit. So you got to, you know, take everything with a grain of salt. But at the same time, I'm excited to see the offense in, in Washington. It will be interesting to see because we'll see if Patrick Mahomes made the enemy or if the enemy crafted Patrick Mahomes. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I think it's definitely it goes both ways. It's not just one way or the other. I, I think, don't it's, think one it's way. A, Really? Okay. Well, so, I think so, it's more of an Andy Reid thing, right? Than, okay. than an Eric yeah, Bieniemy that's thing, fair. right? Like, yeah. if anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, right, I, uh, I think mm-hmm. if I had to like put a percentage on like Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and like Patrick Mahomes, it's Their probably like, you yeah. know, 65% Patrick Mahomes, 30% Andy Reid, and like 5% Eric Bieniemy. But now that Bieniemy is bringing that philosophy over into Washington, it's all him. He's going to bring all of it. Right in, into into yep. Washington, so so we're hoping for the best there. Now, I did want to mention a few other guys that you know we had on our a potential list to talk about. Uh, we won't be going into much detail on these guys, but I still wanted to mention it. Right, um, Trevor Lawrence. Right, I think he's an obvious breakout quarterback candidate this year. We 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 nailed this to death, obviously, like over the course of the off season. But yep. the fact that you know he he played very well in the back half of the of last season. He improved. You saw, you saw that improvement. Year one, you got to give him a mulligan, right? Because of his coaching situation, you know, going into year two, he was a lot better. And then he improved in the second half of the year. That's what you want to see. And he's getting Calvin Ridley. He has a great head coach and offensive coordinator in Doug Peterson. So all, everything's there, right? He has the weapons. He has the tools. Number one overall pick. It's about time. It's going to happen in year three, I think, for Trevor Lawrence, yep. right? Absolutely. Um. Brandon Ayuk, you know, we talked about him in the last episode. You know, I think it's coming, right? Whether it's this year, I don't know, but it's coming, man. He has he has that serious ability. Like, you know, similarly, we talked about Terry McLaurin earlier on, earlier in this episode, where you know it's going to happen at some point, hopefully, right? Because they have the ability for it to happen. Um, you know, he was already doing his thing. You know, he got the target share despite him having beasts on the offense alongside with him. Right. So that's that says something. Um, I think Rashad Bateman uh, has some potential to break out this year. We already talked about him in last week's episode. Elijah Moore is something that you wanted to talk about. But it seems like all signs are pointing to him and Deshaun Watson having this really, really good chemistry. So Elijah Moore, we could see a big year out of him. I don't think this necessarily impacts Amari Cooper a whole lot outside of the fact that there is somebody else to throw to, but I think Amari right. Cooper should maintain a, a, a sizable target share. Amari Cooper was never this like high target share guy. Even last year, he wasn't. Uh, he did get them in certain games, but overall, he wasn't that guy. I think he can maintain the same target share he had, which leaves a lot of room for Elijah Moore to emerge. Right? Yeah, um, yeah that's pretty much what I had, man. You know, those are the guys that are on my list. Did you have anybody else? Yeah, I'm going to kick a dead horse here and go with Cam Akers. We talked a ton about him, and I think he's in for a breakout just because there's nobody else in that backfield, and we've been waiting for it and waiting for it. It's it's, it's going to happen. You know, there's tons of statistics 
backing that up. You could listen to the podcast episode that we've done. I don't want to spend too long on him, but because like I said, I'm kicking a dead horse. But Cam Akers, I think he's in for a breakout. Rashad White, I think he's in for a half breakout, I'm calling it, because he's just going to be a volume play. But I think he's definitely at that point where that volume is going to be enough where he's going to break out. You know, he's going to be in that RB2 conversation, I think 100% higher than he was last year. And then I know you're a Nico Collins guy. That would mm-hmm. count as a breakout, I think. I agree. And then one of my favorite late, late, late round tight end potential breakout candidates, even though we haven't seen much, it's, it's Irv Smith with Joe Burrow. I mean, I think we can, I, I could see that happening. If Hayden Hurst can produce and be half fantasy relevant a few weeks with Joe Burrow at quarterback in that Bengals offense, I think Irv Smith can do it too. If he stays healthy, he could break out. He doesn't have to break out far. If he jumps, jumps into the top 15 tight ends, which isn't that hard these days, I think that would be, you know, really promising. He might actually have, you know, a slightly better future ahead of him than he does, you know, right now. Cause we, we're not sure what's going to happen in 2023, but that's one of the other guys I was also, you know, eyeing up for a breakout. Well, the Irv Smith, the Irv Smith truthers are, uh, are very happy with you right now. Zach. Yes. Uh, that's for sure. They're very, uh, they're they very are, ready for the season. <laughs> they're the most serious cult I've ever seen. They're yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for this podcast episode guys. So in, in the last week, remember we, we, we went over values. We went over late round pickups. We went over what else did we, we we go over. I, I'm missing one. I keep missing one of them. We went. We did yeah, values shots. and we did upside shots. Right. So this episode we went through breakouts. We're gonna go through sleepers at some point. We have a lot more content to go through with you guys. So we appreciate you rocking with us. Um, remember, go check out Underdog Fantasy to do some best ball drafts. Uh, we've been doing a ton of those over on my Instagram story, private drafts we've been doing, but they have the tournaments, Best Ball Mania, um, a bunch of, um, you know, they have some slow drafts right now. I forgot what the tournament's called. I think it was the puppy, but it was a slow puppy for $5 for a $5 entry for a chance to win a ton of money. Um, so make sure you go check them out, underdogfantasy.com. Use the code UPPERHAND to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 um, and make sure to check out the NFL season pickums as well. So you can win some money, you know, choosing some uh, higher and lowers on a bunch of stat lines for players that, you know, you might be higher or lower on this year. Um, also patreoncom slash upper fantasy. That's where all the rankings are draft get coming out very soon. Uh, make sure you check that out and subscribe to the podcast. If you can rate and review, if you can, that would mean the world to us. We appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And how do you appreciate it? Uh, and we'll be back uh, early next week. See ya.